0: making sure that whatever I do is authentic to helping people make a bigger difference in other people's lives. And that's why I got into this in the first place.
1: Welcome to Episode 10 of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today on the show, I have Jessica Wayman, who actually is known as the funnel professor. I love that. And her and I actually overlap a little bit. I have some funnel background in my business too. Jessica's conversation was fun. It really shed light on someone who's been around entrepreneurship for a while, who's also was pursuing an academic... Uh, degree. And she kind of was one of those people that stacked her degrees, I think is what I say in the episode. But we talk about kind of that collection of knowledge. But then when we decide, hey, maybe I'm done. Um, so it, it, this might resonate for a lot of you listening who are currently in a PhD program and considering leaving, which is um, Jessica. She left and decided it wasn't in alignment. But she also had a brick and mortar business. She was a yoga teacher and was looking to make. Maybe take that online. And then that began her journey of entrepreneurship. So what I love about this episode is you get to see what it's like to really be true to yourself and say, what is making me happy? And what are the steps I need to do to pivot to make sure those dreams or happiness becomes a reality? And with Jessica's background in psychology, she does a lot of work around marketing and business and psych and education, because she also has a master's degree in adult learning. So with all of that background, she's really created a thriving online business where she can actually help women entrepreneurs who who want to really find their their clients, ideal, their ideal clients, make a difference, and build that company. She's also worked with corporate um, folks as well. So I think you'll learn a lot about building a business in this podcast. And so hopefully you all enjoy it. All right. Jessica Wayman is here with us today. And I'm so excited to have her because we've been following each other for a little while. Her and I were just reflecting on that um, before we decided to start recording. And she has, um, she we kind of swim in the same circle um, and do similar things. Well, I, kind of because it's one of my side things. But she does funnels, which <laughs> some of you listening might not have any idea what that is. Uh, we'll dive into that uh, soon. But Jessica, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, and using this time to connect with me, this feels really good. And I'm excited. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. It's about time, right? It's it been is about years. time. It is very, very about time. Um, <laughs> all right, Jessica. So let's start at whatever you want to designate as the beginning of your academic journey, what you studied um, in school, uh, any sort of you know teaching that you did or do, and just kind of give us that background so we can learn about who you are as an academic.
0: Awesome. Well, um, my journey started... Right as I turned 18. um, I'm one of those professional students. I've been in school Mm. for far too long. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I actually changed my major seven times in the first two years of college. That might be a record. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I was going to ASU. And I mean, I've majored in just about everything under the sun. And as I got later on in life, I realized, okay, this is silly. I really want to focus on business and marketing. I've kind of been an entrepreneur my whole life, as many entrepreneurs are. And I'm very creative. And I have a way of seeing things that a lot of people don't. Mm. Um, So I ended up with my bachelor's in business and marketing. I got a master's degree in psychology and then a master's degree in adult education. And um, for the last seven years, I've actually been teaching psychological research methods. And it dealt a lot with what I was doing in graduate school because I got all the way until my dissertation to get a doctorate in psychology and then thought, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Not because I'm fickle and want to change my mind, but I was like, gosh, I'm getting these amazing grades. I feel like I want to impact people in a different way. Um, And I thought, you know, I think I'm just going to maybe go for the master's. I'll take one class. I'll get out. And I'll move on. And um, I was doing that because my advisors going through the dissertation phase, those people that are grading your comps were like marking me down on things and giving me feedback using improper spelling. Oh, wow. um, Telling me that my APA formatting was incorrect when it actually wasn't. And I thought, this isn't really making sense. I have straight A's. Um, I've gotten great feedback from everybody in person, at the meetings, and I don't quite understand why they think somebody can learn this Mm. way. It doesn't make sense. Um, And I knew from my experience that not everyone learns the same way. And so I thought, gosh, let's combine all of that into a business where I can coach um, entrepreneurs, and I can help them figure out who they're serving. And from there, make sure that they have all the pieces in place to serve their clients in the best way possible. And I was also finding that as a professor for six years teaching psychological research methods, that those students that I was working with online, because it was all online, um, they weren't able to pick up these really intense advanced topics just by reading something and writing discussion posts. And the schools weren't able to bend with it. And they said, use our curriculum Don't go outside of the box. And I was like, gosh, you're kind of doing a disservice to these learners. Um, Not everybody learns the same way. They need more handholding. And I feel the same way about helping entrepreneurs develop their courses, products, and programs and services um, because everybody is able to really retain the information in their own style. And I think that that's what's missing in the online marketplace.
1: Totally. And we'll definitely dive into that. I could talk about that all day. Um, Yeah. I, what I like about what I think is interesting about your story, and I might want to kind of pop back into there for a little bit, because I, I've, I relate to that a lot. Like, um, I started my business after I finished my dissertation, and I was like, I felt this hole um, in in my life because I had been in school for like what is it, like thirty years, right? And um, that was all I knew how to do. <laughs> so I was like, What am I going to do now? Um, but let, most people know that story. But I, but I think that what I think is interesting about your story is the degree stacking that you started to do, um, and and so I'm curious what um what maybe was going through your mind as you even decided to do a phd and get a doctorate what like what was your ultimate goal with that and and was entrepreneurship still a thought for you because i do think you are a little more unique like unique in the sense that you've actually always felt you were an entrepreneur and it sounds like with your background you always liked business where i was that was not me at all so i am curious to hear that kind of Inner battle you had with yourself up until the point when you're in that program. So it sounds like you had a couple of teachers that you were just like not agreeing with and you started questioning why you were doing things. But if you can kind of elaborate a little bit more on like what was going on in your head around that.
0: Absolutely. While I was in school, I actually have had my own businesses in person. Um, I've been teaching. Ah,
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: I've been teaching, um, yoga. I've been working for other studios, but I also had established my own in the small town that I was living in of about 5,000 people. So I was kind of in both pools of the world with Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship and graduate school. And really the reason I went for my dissertation was because I wanted to teach others, um, in the field of psychology, and really make a bigger impact on people's lives. And I knew that I had all these really big ideas in my head. And I was like, gosh, there has to be a way to combine all of this. And so we'll get to that soon. But um, (laughs) I'm excited about it, because I did actually get to combine everything. Um, But yeah, I mean really, I wanted to make a bigger impact on the world. And I thought a dissertation is my path to be a Mm. a PhD, I'm sorry. But a PhD is my way to do that. And when I realized that with the schools that I was working with, even teaching while that was happening, it wasn't Mm. really making the impact that I knew I could make. And the students were not really getting a high-quality education that they should have been getting. And so... You know, with a master's degree, you can only work for certain schools. A lot of those schools are online. A lot of those are Mm -hmm. for-profit universities. Um, Mm -hmm. They teach very differently than in person. And Mm -hmm. being on as an adjunct is a beautiful thing because it gives you that flexibility. But I just didn't feel that the students were being served in the way that they should be. So, yeah, yeah, it ties all together for sure.
1: Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that because I... I would say too that the the impact that you can have in the classroom is is important work. Um but I could only imagine if I was relegated just to online and um I liked teaching online when I was I was at a community college which master's degree holders are in community college. Um and it was great, like focus on teaching and like it did fill me up in that way. Um but I could see that if I didn't have any face-to-face classes that that would be A different experience because there is something about being in front of other human beings. But I've also taught for some of those for profit um, institutions early in my career. And it was also very difficult. I saw, I would have, you know, vets um, uh, in there in this basically not getting the support that they need mental health support, um, people. Absolutely. Being them being sold to be in these courses and um, they maybe aren't ready is one thing I saw. I, I had another woman who was um, on work disability and trying to come back and just get a degree. And she was, I want to say, like in her late 50s. Um, she could barely write a sentence, like very, very, barely type out like a coherent, um, well punctuated sentence, but not even, not even like what. <laughs> I mean, I've had many walks of life of students in community college, but to be in a 101 level sociology course, and it's all discussion boards, right? Like you were mentioning. And literally, all you have to demonstrate your knowledge is this this skill set that she didn't have. And in my 101 class at like that level, at least in front of her classmates it's very different than me just seeing that and saying here why don't you go to the writing center and get some help um mm-hmm. and you know maybe you're not passing on your papers but you can do this which you're better at but in these online situations especially for profit that's like all that was a representation of her work and or a, a huge part of it was all writing and i was like you should not be here like why did they take your money and tell you that you should be in this class like this is not okay so i struggled with it and i think once that happened i was like i can't like i'm i was trying to supplement i was getting a degree and then um subbing i think on the side or something at like a high school because i also had my teaching credential but that that um, that moment where I was like, oh, this is not okay. But I thought it was the only job I could get until I had... I think it was actually... Yeah. And then I I started getting work at community colleges. And that's where I was like, okay, I don't need that anymore. But I thought I needed yeah. it for a while. But man, that was tough. I can
0: totally relate. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: I can totally relate because um, besides teaching them the difference between qualitative and quantitative reasoning, which is kind of a a pretty deep subject that they're Mm -hmm. pretty scared of. Because before my Mm -hmm. class, they were in statistics and they're terrified. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of my students were not getting that support around their writing. So they would come in and not only would I be teaching them how to write an effective research paper, how to study, how to organize, how to use the library. Um, It was... It was not really like, oh my gosh, I'm doing so much work. But it was more like concern for mm-hmm. the learners mm-hmm. that they weren't getting the support that they needed, even with all of the resources. And these are all adult learners that I've been working with in their 50s and 60s. Um, most of them anyway. Some of them had kids and they were trying to juggle everything yep. at once. Yep. And because I've juggled everything at once, I can understand that's a challenge in itself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of them just weren't getting the support that they needed. And so even though they said, don't jump in and do your own thing, I was putting up videos. Mm -hmm. I was offering like, hey, here's a support call on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. And you can jump on with me and ask me any questions you have and trying to add extra support. Um, But yeah, I just felt like there's got to be a way that I can help people learn more effectively Mm. and not feel like they're
1: alone yeah that's a who that that word is big (laughs) yeah definitely and again i think with an online course it's hard to feel like that um to not feel alone um and that you have to Mm -hmm. really think about as the course creator and the designer of the material like what you're doing to combat that because it's very easy to um Feel isolated from other call other students uh, peers, all of that, so I love that you're talking about that. so I would like to hear a little bit about what like how you got to where I am, like so how we were able to meet, and some people who've been listening for a while have started to come to terms with this idea that there's this online space where people are selling their services. Um, how did you move from running a yoga studio and doing some of the brick and mortar stuff? To this online sphere, what what did that? When did you realize that that was an option, and did it line up with you being in your PhD program and deciding to leave?
0: Um, well, <clears throat> it actually happened after the PhD ah. program. I thought, you know, once I got out of it and realized it wasn't in alignment with what I was doing and the impact that I wanted to make, I thought, okay, what now? And mm. I have been building websites since the internet was around. I actually taught myself HTML code as soon as we got a computer in my parents' house because I was bored and couldn't sleep after working at the pizza place at like 17 years old. So I kind of had an idea like, oh yeah, people sell things online, there's sales letters. Mm -hmm. Like I understood that it was there. I just wasn't really fishing in those pools. And Mm -hmm. with teaching yoga in person, it was a phenomenal experience for my students, especially in a small town. But I wanted to impact more people. So Mm. I found actually a coaching program and thought, okay, I've worked... This is actually something I didn't mention. I've worked in mental health before. Um, And I knew that by working in mental health, there were so many people that had so much potential. And some of my clients were artists some of them um, had ideas for businesses. They just had all this creativity and emotion inside of them that just needed to channel in the right area. So I was kind of coaching them to be like, okay, well, how can you get your, out, your art out there? What can we do to help you You know, follow your passions? Because it brings you happiness. And I was teaching them DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy and Mindfulness, which is a big part of who I am. Uh,
1: And uh so I
0: thought, okay, let's be mindful about the people in person and then bring everything together with the coaching online. And I thought, okay, I'm not counseling, but I'm coaching people and I have the business background. Why don't I just do that? I understand marketing. I understand the business side of things. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to include the research side of things, which Uh goes into the psychological research methods. And I understand that adult learners, because of my adult education degree, learn differently than a lot of other learners. So that's where I kind of infused it together and thought, okay, how can I bring mindfulness into this? And I was Mm. like, mindful marketing, that is really what people should be doing, but they're not. So... Yes, yes. Then I course binged and I bought (laughs) 37 (laughs) courses over the course of four years.
1: (laughs) That's a lot of courses. I bet if I I added mine up, it might be close. Check
0: on everybody's rosters because I've purchased all the big names. I'm probably on yours. (laughs) I've got them all. I'm probably missing two of the big names, but I have them all. And I have gotten through a lot of them, but not all of Mm -hmm. them. And so Mm -hmm. I've just basically been like, okay, what can I consume as much as possible and apply to help other people. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that's it in a
1: nutshell, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. No, it helps. And I, I think I love it. I was totally expecting you to be like, and then I was in my PhD program. And then I was like, and then I thought, oh my gosh, this person's making this much money. I'm just going to leave. But I love it. You're like, nope, I no. made the decision that this wasn't right for me. And then I re- then this other world opened up and it was, it was there. I love that.
0: It's never been actually about the money. It's about of impacting course. people in a bigger way. Because I have the ability
1: to do so. So, yes, you do for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit about what was it like telling family and friends that you were leaving this program? Um, if you want to <laughs> share anything like that, because I harbored a lot of fear around leaving because I, I did everything. I got the job that I wanted. I thought it was my dream job. So I had all this like anxiety and I, thought people were going to be mad at me. So did you have any anything come up for you when you kind of said, look, guys, I'm done? Absolutely. Um,
0: my <laughs> parents, for one thing, at <laughs> first, <laughs> they were like, wait, you've spent three years on this PhD and now you're getting out of it? We're kind of getting a little worried about you. Do you think you want to talk to someone? Aww. And I was like, no. I think I'm good, but at one point I wanted to be a psychologist. And so I was like, gosh, maybe I need to change my major and, you know, do it again. But, um, I realized, you know, being a coach and working in my area that I know, which is the business side of things and understanding research and how to get your target market down and understanding the journey that your clients are taking is just as important as you building your course and what you mm-hmm. think it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, using their language, like all of that stuff, I knew I could make work. But my parents thought I was crazy. My husband was like, wait a second, we've spent a lot of money on this. Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. sure this is what you want to do? And then after a while he saw the potential and my parents yeah. saw that I was making money and helping people and they were like, okay. Um, We're really sorry that we told you that it was a silly idea. We're really sorry that we told you to just kind of give up. Mm. Um, You're really doing a good thing. So yeah, go for it. Um, In the meantime, I have a baby. So I'm a mom. And uh, that's provided some challenges, but amazing Mm. opportunities as well. So yeah, I, I just think it's about balance and making sure that you keep your priorities straight and you stay organized and you don't take on too much and don't change your major anymore. This is my thing. (laughs) This is it.
1: Um, What I love about entrepreneurship, you kind of can change your major randomly. Like You can be like, I would like to stop selling this. I'm going to sell this. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. you're right. I think... um, I think... I think there is something that is scary for people about like wait you're going to like make money online like who you know there it's still pretty it's a pretty new space to be in um I've talked about this with a couple other guests but like we're definitely in this time where it's a lot easier to start something because you literally can I can just send you a link and invoice you and and then I have money in my account and I can help you do something Um, Mm -hmm. and that's literally in the very beginning all you need to be able to do Uh, so I love that because I think some people are like oh that's shady and yes and no like (laughs) there's a lot of people that are like not shady at all um but i yeah i didn't struggle too much my parents were always just like oh this is just very Lindsay to to you know do something we trust you i was more worried about my my colleagues and like my yeah like my and my old grad student friends and you know my you know my dissertation advisor who i was really close with i was like kind of worried about like what they thought about (laughs) me so i had that in my head too
0: Yeah. And I think for a while I had imposter syndrome in graduate Mm -hmm. school and I had imposter syndrome with my business. And it came up a lot where I was like, who am I to be doing this? And my mindset got the best of me as Mm -hmm. they say in the entrepreneur world, like you got to have a great mindset and (laughs) you got to have a great mindset in life to be able to function as, um, as an adult. So I just think that it's important that you don't deviate from something just because it's not working. And that's something that I learned in college as I was going through all those different majors with all my interests and all my you know multifaceted things I wanted to do. When you're in business, yes, you can say you're not going to sell that anymore. But what I see as an issue is if someone says, I'm going to be a health coach, let's say they've got the qualifications to do so. And then by the time it gets to next Wednesday, they're like, I don't want to be a health coach anymore because it's not working. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to find that one thing that is totally you as a person, as a brand. And it makes sense for the knowledge that you can actually use, not something that you just... Oh, yeah. I
1: know how to take my vitamins. I'm going to go be a health coach. Yeah, know? for sure. Um, <laughs> I love that you bring that up because I, that's how I started was as a health coach. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Like, Yeah, <laughs> no joke. No, I don't take any offense to it. And um, the reason being is because I actually started through an MLM. So I was like a beach body coach. Oh, okay. And so totally. um, yeah, so like when I... I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. When I finished my dissertation, I just was like... There was this hole in my morning because I had this beautiful writing practice for me to be able to be... Teaching and writing a dissertation at the same time like i had to be like on it. And then there was this morning time and i was like, oh, like what am i going to do with these like hours that i've carved for myself? And i was like, i should start working out. Like i've never said that in my life and i had a friend <laughs> and so sure enough bought it, lost all this weight, got like in the best shape of my life and i was like, i want to help other people. And i feel like most of the time with health coaches and i bring this up um, for the listeners too because Because there is something to be shared about, like, Starting an entrepreneurship, ending somewhere else, which is totally cool, and getting closer to like what you really want to do. And and Jessica, I want your tips and advice on that in a second. But what I want to bring totally. up is this idea that like a lot of people, actually a lot of women, I would say, start out in health coaching. And the reason why is something happens in their life, and they start to focus on themselves. Like they start putting themselves mm-hmm. first. They start taking care of themselves in a certain way, or focusing on self care and and um, they get amazing results, and they feel fantastic. And like all you want to do is help more women feel like you do. That's how I felt, Absolutely. and so that's like a beautiful thing, right? And so then I started getting into it was an MLM, and that was I was just doing it just for fun and because it was amazing, and it was helping people. But then I started to realize, oh, there's like some problems with this. Like I actually don't know what I'm talking about. The academic in me was like. I don't know that I can tell you what to eat right now. Like, I don't know that, you know, you actually have some (laughs) emotional stuff. And obviously, as a psychologist, you know, there's so much psychology tied to eating and working out. And I was like, whoa, like, I don't, I'm going to either I'm going to study this and do this right or not at all. And so then I fell into kind of just some perfect things lined up. But I want to highlight too... You know, we, I think just starting with something that you feel like you can help someone with now is a really mm-hmm. good place to start. Um, if Absolutely. maybe, and if maybe you want to, sh- yeah, yeah, and maybe you want to share a little bit about maybe your journey. So you said you started with mindfulness marketing, and maybe tell us a little bit about your business, um, specifically, mm-hmm. and maybe how it's pivoted and shifted and gotten even more, you know, niche down or focused on what you're doing now.
0: Absolutely. Um, I wanted to also let you know with the beach body thing. It's super funny yeah. you mentioned that because I did go from running a yoga studio and teaching yoga to then teaching Zumba and yoga, oh, working yeah. for multiple gyms, running my own thing. Um, I was getting uh, spots on like fitness websites with uh-huh. my photo shoots showing off yoga pants and you know.
1: Oh my God, I love now it. Now as an
0: entrepreneur, I love yoga pants still. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty standard. It's like the wardrobe. Yeah. Um, but the whole health coaching thing, I, I totally get that. And it resonates well with me too, because you go through this transformation or you see mm-hmm. other people and you're like, man, this is a huge passion. I want to make a bigger difference in people's lives. And it makes a lot of sense. I didn't lose a lot of weight because I was already really thin, but I did help a lot of people there. Um, but then I did see the holes in the MLM. It was like, this yep. isn't really me. Mm-hmm. It works for people. And mm-hmm. for those that it works for, it's amazing. But with my journey, I started out with teaching yoga, honestly. And I was running yoga studios. And um, my husband works in mining. So we live in very small towns. Hmm. And so we're actually in a small town now. But the previous town had about 5000 people where we were for Mm -hmm. about five years. The previous town to that was about 3000 people. Wow. So I had to make my own way and, and create something that wasn't there. So I was teaching yoga in the mm. community garden. Um, I had mommy and me nights. We created classes for Valentine's Day for couples, had raffles for the local pizza place, just doing all the marketing and everything ourselves. Mm. And it was a really fun experience. And then from doing the yoga studios, I got into teaching Zumba, which helped me harness all of that crazy energy that I have and made a lot of impact there. And then going from there, I realized, um, we're in a town full of snow and I grew up in Tempe, Arizona where there was no snow. Oh, wow. So I didn't yeah. <laughs> I didn't really want to keep going out and shoveling sidewalks and going out in the snow and getting bronchitis. So I was like, well, how can I do this online? So I kind of got into Beachbody mm. and it's like, oh, this is cool. And then I realized I didn't really love the MLM model. And then I realized that, um, you know, mindfulness was a huge part of who I was. And teaching meditation was a huge part mm-hmm. of wh- who I was and people's favorite parts of my class. Ah. So I started offering meditation online. And mainly it was just with other yoga studios.
1: Um, Oh, interesting.
0: But it wasn't like I was really selling anything. It was more like here's a source.
1: Oh, like here I here's want a you a to. Resource. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And then I was like, gosh, I have this background in building websites. I've built websites here and there for other communities, which I had built websites for the last committee we were just in. And I was like, gosh, I really like the tech. And I really like the marketing side. And I really love the copywriting side. Why don't I infuse all of that together? So the mindful marketing was starting out as messaging and helping ah. people craft their messaging and helping people craft their perfect package, and helping to understand their target market. And I was focusing on those entrepreneurs that had so many ideas that they couldn't organize, because I was once one of those people. And I thought I was my client. And I realized after working with so many people since then, that I wasn't my client. And that wasn't necessarily... Um, really working for everybody. They didn't necessarily have all those big ideas. They kind of wanted to be told what to do in a way.
1: Uh, Um, uh
0: And that wasn't allowing for their own creativity to infuse in their business. So then it evolved. And I was like, okay, let's say you're kind of an established entrepreneur by at least a year, you know what you want to do, but you're having trouble with the tech side of things. And you also might need a sounding board So you might want to have a coach that's able to say, okay, this marketing plan is most likely going to work or be able to ask you the right questions to understand that you know who your ideal clients are, that it feels good to you with what you're selling, it feels good to you with who you're serving. And it's kind of like a holistic package. Like You're able to understand your clients, your target markets, your messaging, your packages... But then I offer, mostly now, done-for-you funnel services. And I'm working in a variety of platforms, not just one. Um, there's a lot of people out there that only work in one. And I feel like that holds a lot of entrepreneurs back. And so I focus on whatever you have. And if what you have isn't going to work, then we work through and figure out what's going to work for you. Um, and I've helped people develop courses since then. I've helped people with... Huge launches, um, bringing in thousands of dollars in a matter of a couple of months. It's been incredibly amazing and life changing for them. So it's awesome.
1: I love it. Thank you for sharing. I think, I think there's a lot to connect there too. Like I, what I want people to see is just how much um, little pivots we make and the little choices we make. And I feel like at least this is actually I'll speak for myself on this. I feel like for me. You know, as my business shifts, like it's because I'm shifting, I'm growing as a person. I've talked a lot about this on the podcast too. Like the personal development is huge in this industry versus in being a professor. There just really isn't any. So I'm growing as a person and I'm basically, I feel like. In control of how I want to experience things in more ways than i 've ever felt before, and so I could be like Oh that doesn 't feel good or this isn 't all of me and i 'm constantly shifting as well, um, you know generally along the same line, but like this is where a little bit of us overlap like i I was doing course creation. Um, and, and which was like, it made perfect sense. And <laughs> it was like, why didn't I think of that, you know, kind of thing? Um, and then, you know, I, I made a business friend and we started doing funnels together. And, um, and I just was like, oh, I don't know anything about funnels. What do people need to know to to make a you know have a funnel that operates in a business and so i it was great I was like the perfect teacher for it because I was kind of new in marketing, but I knew how to teach, so I was like able to bring concepts together and so awesome. um I think that's kind of the cool thing, and then and then from there, like I learned a lot about marketing and really amped up on that. And then now I'm going into a very specific targeted service, um, and not doing done for you course creation. But that's the beautiful thing, and that's like in the span of a year. Like that's how much you you can change and get even closer. I feel like I'm coming Mm -hmm. home to what I'm I'm like always meant to be doing, right? Like the paths are leading me to where I need to be, um, or where I belong, I guess, or whatever. Uh, so, I love that because I think that's what I just want to model for people. Like, whatever it is you can start doing now on the side while you're working or during office hours, like I did, um, can really blossom into something that surpasses your salary, you know, monthly income relatively quickly. I think you'd be very surprised at how quick that can happen. Um, so, I'd like to hear a little bit about any struggles you have in business or any tips and advice around that. Like, did you have any challenges over the last couple of years and how did you overcome them? Did you seek a mentor? Sounds like you bought a lot of courses. Uh, <laughs> when you hit a challenge what have, what have you what have you done?
0: Well, I have actually hired my own coaches. I've been in masterminds as well. Um seeking out those people that are good at what you're not necessarily strong Mm. in is really important in entrepreneurship. And it's totally okay to admit that you're not good at something or that you might need support around something. Because getting that support from a coach or from a mastermind or an event or even a class really helps you see what you don't see. Mm. And it helps really open your eyes to more possibility And it also gives you a little bit of a a kick in the butt to move forward on things that you might be using fear as a way to hold back. Um, I've worked with incredible coaches and those people really, you might be thinking at first like, Oh yeah, you know, everybody's a coach and they're not going to make much of a difference because I know what I'm doing, but it has been life-changing and super important to seek out that support, especially working online. It's very isolating. And um, mm. I think it's also important to seek out friendships and joint ventures and, you know, people, most of my friends now are online, even yep. though I live in a town where I could easily make friends. And it's much bigger than where I was before. Um, I connect more with people online, like video. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's awesome because you can speak with those people about what you're involved in and vent your frustrations and share your wins. And it's it's like having a biz bestie in your corner. So that's super important. From when I started four years ago, I actually still have friends that I consider my biz besties. We still communicate. We still give each other feedback. Um, We're still there for each other through life and business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important to have a support
1: system. Oh definitely. Yeah, so sometimes you might pay for it, sometimes. <laughs> but I think I think the networking actually is a really big part of running an online business and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I don't know that we've talked, well maybe we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but um I would say that, you know, going to events um you know, doing calls like this, you know, on podcast or being a guest in someone's course or community um, is another really great way to meet other people. And what's different about this than academia is most people are out to help you. And I feel like in academia, it's like, There's not a lot of looking for help, right? And uh, yeah, there's not a lot of that, and so um, it's either kind of figure it out, or you're good at it, or you're not, or whatever. And I think that's probably part of the like the what may be the downfall of like the academy in the future is is that like there isn't this drive to. Improve or to help each other. I think people are. I used to be in the union, so I was always around like professional development. And, um, you know, people want to improve, but the structure and the system and the way it's set up doesn't allow that to be very easy. Um, And so, anyways, without getting down that whole rabbit hole, but I do think, I think you're bringing up a cool point. Like, the support is there for you, and yeah, sometimes you're paying somebody for that, and there are a couple steps ahead of you, and they have the answer, and you're just moving along. <laughs> That's what entrepreneur feel, entrepreneurship feels like for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think in academia, also, um, it's very hard to admit that you need help with something or that you aren't really good with something. Um, once you get to that level of having a master's degree or a PhD, like nobody wants to say oh I, I'm having trouble with this I need help or I need support you you've earned your wings at that point and they don't really I don't I don't think the culture is there to say yeah it's okay reach out um, People are almost embarrassed to ask for help especially when they have that level of education. but in entrepreneurship um, they're building a lot more communities especially mm. on Facebook mm-hmm. and so I think by creating more community around, what we do. um, There are others that are going to be a step ahead of us. And we should be able to lift each other up instead of having that embarrassment of, Oh my god, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? Um, Otherwise, you're just going to be inauthentic to yourself as well as your clients.
1: Mm, So good. Yeah, I love that you bring that up about academia and like the help thing. um, For sure. And I would also even add um the teachers that even wanted to help couldn't in many cases because the other side of this is they're being um so many new uh s- T- uh, tasks are being dropped on them by by admin, they don't get paid for it. And then they have to go and negotiate at the negotiating table for like a 1% increase when all these other like responsibilities have been dumped on them. And that's been happening for at least the last 15 years. And so we're at this point where literally any extra work or conversations or office hours or anything, it's just, it's just, it's actually impossible. Like that, that's literally what has happened. And some of the best teachers want to help so bad. So they're on all these different committees. They literally don't have any time to do anything. And it's it's sad. It's so sad. and And again, it's not because they don't want to. I think in many cases, they can't. They physically can't. I had a professor, my advisor she was like on 8 or 9 or 10 dissertation it, it, like she was one of the only people that would do it and she was so good at it and you know i it's just it's tough like you just hit and they wouldn't hire a new faculty member and then we have the we have the conversation around adjuncts at my school adjuncts weren't paid for office hours so they literally were not even required to have office hours and back to your original thing when we were first opened up about not supporting students. I mean, it's actually built into the pay structure to say like, well, we don't value you enough to sit with your student when they need help. So we're not going to pay you. But guess what? Everyone did it because how do you teach if you don't have office hours? Like, mind boggling to me, but to not be paid for it.
0: Yeah, and what's so crazy is that my PhD, my dissertation topic was the lived experience of adjunct faculty Mm. um, and basically how they are experiencing their everyday lives, uh, but also talking about the rate of burnout Mm -hmm. among adjunct faculty. And so I did a lot of research around that. And I was told by some of my professors that were guiding me through that process, like, you shouldn't be writing about this. And I was like, but it needs to be told like you're paying these people McDonald's money. And Mm -hmm. I say that in air quotes, because Mm -hmm. what I was being paid as an online adjunct was less than minimum wage. And so if I only had that job, I would be able to qualify for welfare and food stamps. And if you get welfare and food stamps at that point, they're like, well, we're feeding you can't give you insurance, can't give you anything Mm -hmm. else. This is all you get. And It was really kind of sad because I saw that there were so many adjuncts that were feeling burned out, and they weren't getting the support that they needed to provide a really solid, robust learning experience, and they weren't getting enough training. And then they were expected to work all hours of the day and night to be able to support their students making less than minimum wage. So... It wasn't really effective for anybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and that's when I realized, gosh, you know, I have a master's degree. I can be an adjunct for the rest of my life, but it's very competitive to get into multiple schools with online. So um, there's that. If you just have one class with one one uh, university or college, you're just, you're not able to make your bills. No, no.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, and this is part of why this podcast exists as well. Like, Mm -hmm. it stems from my just experience and recognition of the amount of amazingly smart, educated, (laughs) caring human beings out there that went into teaching because of the characteristics that make up a, a, a teacher. And they're not making ends meet and they Mm -hmm. don't know anything else and that that they thought this was the only way that they could help people um and you know if you're a part-timer listening (laughs) um (laughs) and you're trying to make it work i mean keep trying to make it work but you know at the same time also realize that there's other ways that you can use your knowledge and their experience to help people and you know get paid really what you deserve with all that knowledge and experience. I think that's the 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 just ridiculous part about all of this is like <laughs> what it takes to even be a professor and how far you have to go in education and how much money that costs over time and then to p- be paid minimum wage. Like it's so... Mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing because it's like, what are we doing? Like, Why does this system even exist if this is what we're going to do with the people that go through this system? And I think that's... Oh man, we could have a whole conversation about grad school (laughs) and getting a doctorate and that whole thing. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Um, What
0: people need to realize though that even though, you know, you might be a part-timer and you might be teaching right now, but what everyone I think really needs to realize is that you have so much potential and so many amazing things and so much resilience built inside of you because you have taken this path to be an educator. And there's so much more to life than just making minimum wage as a professor. Yep. Um, Everyone has a gift. Everyone has something they can share. So if you're thinking about dipping your pool in the entrepreneurship, there's plenty of room. Yep. We'll move out of the way and make room for you. And we'll help build you up along the process.
1: Yep. Yep. I love it. (laughs) Could you... What would you say would be some of your skills that you felt like you really grew in academia um, that have served you well in this industry? I, I talk about this almost every episode. And I feel like everyone has a unique characteristic or skill set that they bring up. But what do you think has benefiting you uh, from academia?
0: Um, I think being able to look at... <laughs> this is funny to say. Basically, you're looking at a pile of garbage and you're able to (laughs) to pull out the pieces of gold that are actually really valuable. And when someone comes to me and they're like, I have all this stuff. What do I do with it? I'm able to take away the tech headache and be like, okay, you might be feeling overwhelmed. You might even be experiencing burnout, which goes into the psychology part of things. But let's look at the pieces of gold that you have in this pile of everything, and let's make it work. And so being creative, um, being able to see the tech for what it is, and then being able to really structure it and be like, Okay, this goes here and organize things. And this goes here. And this is how you can make this work. And just being able to look at things from a different perspective that others might look at as failure, because there's potential in everything.
1: So good. In one swoop, you called marketing, your client, and maybe academic shit. All a pile of garbage. No, I'm just kidding. But I love it. It's so true. (laughs) No, not really. But it's but I think I, I mean to, to not make it sound like that because that's not what I meant, but (laughs) like, I think it's funny Um, because it's true. Like it's okay. Like we, we've taken, you know, research out there is crap. You're trying to find the good research. You're trying to take the nuggets of knowledge, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as a, as a content creator and, and somebody who's making Facebook posts and stuff like there's some crap that I've made, but there's some good stuff in there too. Uh, And I think, and then also, and then there's the, the, mess of entrepreneurship online and there's a lot of crap going on what's the gold and how do you find that so i think being able to sift through information uh and basically take uh, take a whole bunch of knowledge and information and consume it and then be like here's the stuff in this order this is the stuff that matters and you're Uh distilling it and i think as an academic that's a skill set
0: Yeah, you can actually simplify the complicated stuff
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think the teaching part of you too, is, is that's also right. Like what in the textbook is kind of just going into something that doesn't really matter for the students. If they just focus on this and really concentrate on this, they'll make strides. And that's what we're trying to do. Get people to take the next step, get people to mm-hmm. you know, move forward. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that is a skill that comes from both being a professor and teaching and also doing academic research.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I call myself the funnel professor because I'm able to teach you how to make what you have work and how to connect the tech so that your clients are going on a well crafted journey that you've strategically created, Mm -hmm. but it makes it work for you to get your zone of genius out there. Not all your zones of genius, but your zone of genius. And then (laughs) it also helps your clients. understand what they're going to get by working with you, whether that's with a course or service or product. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling like my strength is definitely taking all the complicated stuff and helping you narrow it down so that you don't feel overwhelmed, you don't feel burnout, and that you're experiencing entrepreneurship for what it is, um, which should be something that's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, love it. So as we wind down, Jessica, I'd love to have you share maybe what your goals are for this business, like where you see it going in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about why you're continuing to do this and why you love entrepreneurship and where you're taking your business, because I think the audience would really appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you for asking. Um, I actually am looking to help even more people. And I know that I can't do that alone. So I have been... Working with some people to develop some more joint ventures. Um, nice, but I'm also trying to kind of form more of an agency model instead of just me. Um, kind of creating, you know, that umbrella of education. But it's including Facebook ads experts. It's mm-hmm. including copywriters. It's including all those people that need to be in place. But you don't have to really go search for all of it because we're mm. able to provide all of that for you in an agency model. Um, but making sure that whatever I do is authentic to helping people make a bigger difference in other people's lives. And that's why I got into this in the first place. Um, it's not about like, oh my gosh, I need to make more than minimum wage or oh my gosh, I have all these student loans to pay back, which, you know, I do, but they'll be there until Me I'm <laughs> five anyway. So Yeah, I think um, finding ways to make a bigger impact. And if that involves bringing in all those biz besties that I've created relationships with, then that's what we're going to do.
1: I love it. Well, thank you, Jessica, so much. If you want to give a little shout out to where people that are listening can find you, uh, especially also because I want people to be connecting in this community. And that's literally why I'm doing this as well. Like, oh my gosh, can I talk to someone who has a story similar to mine? So where can people find you?
0: That's so sweet. Thank you. Um, you can find me at
1: powerofbrilliance.com. Powerofbrilliance.com.
0: Yep, powerofbrilliance.com. And I help you honor your power of brilliance so that you can do greater things in the world and make a bigger impact doing
1: what you love to do. I love it. I'm pretty positive we have a lot of brilliant people listening. So I I hope they come (laughs) flocking your way. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. And I'd love to have you on again. We can talk about how crazy the PhD world is, (laughs) (laughs) why it makes no sense. Uh, No, that was super fun. And uh, thank you so, so much. Oh
0: my gosh. Thank you. I really enjoyed it.